0: And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the
1: fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com.
0: No purchase necessary. BGW, group. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. This is the New York City Cast with Will Hill, presented by Bet Rivers. Welcome to the New York City Cast, presented by Bet River Sportsbook. A Monday show for you. Chris Raybon of the Action Network will join us. We'll talk Jets, Giants, we will do some NFL futures. We'll get into some fantasy implications. Uh, but it's a baseball day to start here as the Yankees and Mets both in action. Yankees minus 200. And we got plenty to say about the Yankees after uh, just another brutal weekend in Fenway here. And the Yankees are just a bad team right now. It is Cole against TBD for the Rays. Rays still have not announced a pitcher. It might be going with a bullpen game. Yankees minus 200. No total at the moment. Uh, I just I don't know how you lay this kind of price with the Yankees with the way they're playing. The lineup they threw out last night is just a joke between Kiner Falefa and Andujar and Lacastro and Nagashioka. It's basically uh, the scranton wilkes Yankees with the uh, the Rail Riders with with Aaron Judge thrown in the middle. It's just a terrible lineup. Ben Attendee's done nothing. So, uh, look, you, you never know what you're going to get out of Cole. You get eight shutout Innings. You could give up a five spot in the first. He's generally been pretty good. You look at the numbers overall, he's been good. But you don't know exactly what to expect. So we'll get back to the Yankees here. Mets and Braves. Uh, Also in action, Braves, look, give him credit, said last week this time that Mets delivered a knockout punch, and the Mets are still in outstanding shape here to win the division as the Braves are minus 141 tonight, Strider against Carrasco, Strider has not pitched in a week, so they gave him a week off here either to pace out his innings or just for the fact that, you know what, you'd rather have him against the Mets than the Marlins, this is sort of the last straw here, the last grasp for the Braves to inch back into the vision, the division. I like Atlanta tonight. I think any hope of Atlanta winning this division, you realistically need a sweep. Uh, again, this is a pitching mismatch. Strider versus Carrasco. Carrasco sort of danced through the raindrops here a lot. With you know, He's always pitching out of trouble. In general, he's been good. He's been an unsung hero for this Mets team with Carrasco, Walker, Williams. They've gotten a lot out of these guys with DeGrom missing basically the whole year. Scherzer missing a month plus. They've gotten a lot out of Carrasco, Walker, etc. But uh, you have to like Atlanta here. Atlanta got embarrassed last weekend in City Field, lost four out of five. It really wasn't even that close. The Mets won all those games by multiple runs. The Mets did a number on Atlanta this week. I would expect Atlanta to bounce back, but again, Atlanta, for any hope of winning this division, I think you realistically need four. If you go three and one, it puts you to four back in the lost column. Right now, it's a five and a half game lead for the Mets. Six in that lost column. Again, the lost column is the important thing because you cannot make up another team's losses. And the Mets have a very soft schedule coming up here in the next month or so. Once they get past these Braves games, they play the Phillies this weekend. They play the Yankees for two. And then it's sort of smooth sailing. They do have a three-game set with the Dodgers down the line. I think that's September 1st, right around there, right around Labor Day. But other than that, it's a lot of nationals, it's a lot of Marlins, it's a lot of Rockies. Uh, you know, it's a very, very soft schedule for the Mets. So as long as you get one here, if you're the Mets, you should be in good shape. That would cut it to four in the loss column. And again, that's within shouting distance if you're Atlanta. That's within shouting distance. Four, you know what? You have a great week in Atlanta. Give them credit. They've won six in a row here. Uh, After we sort of counted them out, they go to Fenway, bury the Red Sox for two. They kill the Marlins this weekend. Look like uh, there was a point on Friday where the Braves win, the Mets lose. Then the Mets had to face Wheeler and Nola that you know what the Braves if they had a good weekend against the Marlins and the Mets dropped one or two that the Braves could sort of inch their way back in but Degrom was brilliant Saturday night Bassett was outstanding Sunday Uh, the Braves don't miss a step though they bury the Marlins sweep the doubleheader Saturday beat them Friday trailed late Sunday but that one run lead it was one nothing for a while you knew that one nothing wasn't going to stand up so uh, the Braves here still sort of hanging by a thread they've got a good pitching matchup tonight like we mentioned Strider versus Carrasco Tomorrow, Walker versus Morin favors the Braves, especially at home. But after that, it's Scherzer, it's DeGrom, and Scherzer gets Odorizzi. So you would think if you're the Mets, you can get the Wednesday game. And then DeGrom is Thursday versus TBD. Freed has been on the I.L. with a concussion issue, concussion injury, which you don't see a lot, especially in baseball. Uh, So maybe he can pitch that Thursday game. It'll be right around the timeline for him to come back. So Uh, Mets have a good chance here to get one. You'd think they'd get one. If you get two, you can forget it and start talking about magic numbers. If the Braves ever got four, which I don't think it'll happen, then you're back to having a race. But again, if you're the Mets, you just get one. If you get two, you're in great shape. One puts you in good shape. Uh, But I do like Atlanta tonight. I think they'll bounce back. I think they'll generally play pretty well this weekend, uh, pretty well this week. And I do think the Mets, you know, if I had to guess, I would say I'm somewhere between the Mets get two and the Mets get one. I'll say the Mets get their split, but I wouldn't be shocked if Atlanta got three. And Again, I I don't like betting against the Mets. Last weekend when they played, I thought the Mets would get three, if not four. They ended up getting the four. I have a good feel for this Mets team. I do think Atlanta bounces back, plays pretty well. I'll call it a split, but I wouldn't be shocked if Atlanta won this one 3-1 because remember last weekend when they played, the pitching matchups were pretty advantage. Every time they threw uh, a good pitcher... Atlanta did the Mets match it with a better pitcher. The Mets sort of had an even or better pitching matchup in every game. The Mets, I believe, were favored in every game. Part of that is those games were in Citi Field in New York, so that was the tiebreaker. Uh, And and you kind of have the inverse of that this week where the pitching matchups favor Atlanta early, plus those games are in Atlanta. So I think Atlanta gets at least two. I, I I don't think they'll get the four. It's a question of whether they get two or whether they get three. Again, if they get three, cut it to four in the loss column, You feel like you're in a race. I mean, four is within shouting distance, but uh, you still would favor the Mets with the soft schedule uh, down the stretch here. So that's the Mets. I like Atlanta tonight. Uh, We'll keep an eye on that series all week as the Mets can officially end the Braves this week. Just a split ends ends this thing. I think the Mets are in good shape. I think they're going to win the division. Just avoid a disaster here, and you should be in good shape to do that with Scherzer and DeGrom going Wednesday, then going Thursday. The Yankees. Not a lot to say right now other than the postseason doesn't start till October. It's just they've been a bad baseball team for a long time now. I mean, it goes back. It really goes back to the winter, and it goes back beyond now. When you go cheap, you get beat. And you can look at this winter. You can look at last winter when they got nobody except Corey Kluber. There's just not that much talent once you start having injuries. And they've had injuries here with Stanton, who looks like he's going to have a rehab start this week, a rehab game this week, which would put him on track to maybe be back next week. Look, with Stanton, I mean, he... Plays in the All-Star game, wins the MVP, gets hurt. You know, Everyone says, no big deal, be back in a week, 10 days. Here we are a few weeks later, and he's still not back. So if they get him back next week, that'll help. Rizzo's back, but there's just not an an, an overwhelming amount of talent like those great Yankee teams that they've been compared to with the hot start in the late 90s, early 2000s, where you just had a ton of depth. And it goes back to spending money and not spending money, whether it's four years ago with Machado, this past winner, Corey Seager. You know, I like the Benatendi move at the deadline, but he's not Juan Soto. and Benatendi's come here, and he's done nothing here in a few weeks, a month or so. So you go cheap, and you get beat, and the Yankees have gone cheap here. And there's just, once you start to lose a few guys, King and Severino and Stanton and Rizzo, that you just don't have the reserves. And look at the lineup they threw out last night. This is the New York Yankees. This is the New York Yankees. And they're throwing out a lineup with Andujar, kiner falefa Higashioka, I mean it's just a joke. I mean that's a terrible lineup. Donaldson's hitting third. It's basically if Judge doesn't hit the ball to the moon, they can't score. It was just a dreadful lineup. They had no prayer of scoring last night. Once you got down one-nothing, you figure, all right, anything more and the game's over. Devers hits the home run. What else is new? Devers just owns that franchise, that team. It's three-nothing, and you could have turned the game off from there. It's just that no offense whatsoever. And the biggest concern of all this, and I wouldn't count them out yet. They're not a good team right now. If the playoffs started today, I wouldn't pick them against the Astros. I wouldn't pick them against a lot of teams. They would have a very short postseason if it started today. But it doesn't start today. They got a you know six, seven weeks here to catch their bearings, get healthy, and everyone's zero and zero in the postseason. That being said, the most concerning thing of all this is Holmes. Holmes is a big issue right now because he doesn't have a track record of success. If you go back two months ago, Holmes and Diaz—it's a toss-up. I would—I might have taken—I probably would have taken Diaz because all the strikeouts, but you couldn't score a run against either guy. You couldn't get the ball to the infield against either guy. Diaz has maintained that greatness. You you can't sniff the guy. Holmes has been a disaster. I think it's the last eleven outings, eleven runs. He basically gives up a run every time he touches the ball, and that's a big issue. I don't know if it's mechanical. I don't know if it's fatigue. It's an injury. You almost want to just give him a phantom, you know, 10-day IL stint, whether he's hurt or not, just to let him catch his breath, recalibrate, recharge, because he's the one where you just, he's a guy you need. He's irreplaceable. You know, I know Chapman's pitched well lately, and Chapman might find himself back in this closer role, which is insane to even think about, and you can't, under any circumstance, trust Chapman in a big spot. But Holmes is the guy you need because you need to win with the top of your roster, with Cole being great, Holmes being great at the end of the game, Stanton, Judge, because ju- there's just not that depth with the Carpenter injuries. With all these injuries, there's just not enough uh, in terms of volume of depth of talent. You need to win, and you need to win with stars. And Holmes has built himself to where he was an all-star. He was a you know great pitcher that first half of the year. He needs to get back to being that pitcher. Otherwise, this Yankee team is dead because that bullpen... You got a lot of volume there with Marinaccio and the, you know, Ross, the guys they traded for, Trevino, Chapman. But you don't have that eighth inning, ninth inning bridge end of the game that you trust that you had in the beginning of the year with King and now with Holmes. So uh, the bullpen Holmes, to me, is the biggest concern. And look, this Yankee team is just not very good right now. To lay minus 200 with him tonight, I can't do it. I would expect, all things being equal, I expect them to win. Cole's generally been pretty good. He gave that sixth spot against the Mariners that Wednesday afternoon a couple weeks ago. Since then, he threw five shutout innings the rest of that game, and then he threw another, what, seven shutout innings plus uh, against the Mariners last week and bounced back. Cortez pitched well. That's the one thing. The pitching has bounced back here. The pitching's been pretty good. Cole last time out. Cortez last time out. Montas was okay. Figure he gets his feet under him and, and pitches pretty well. But their offense right now is just awful, and their bullpen is a huge concern, but... Uh, they're lucky. You know, they're really lucky because they still have a 10-game leading division. They are lucky Toronto has not played well. Toronto's been a disaster. Toronto's been just as bad as the Yankees. Otherwise, you'd be looking at a situation where the Yankees at one point were minus 10,000 to win the division. This could easily, if Toronto or Tampa had played well this last week or two, this could easily be down to three or four games. So uh, the Yankees are still going to win the division, you would think. Now, look, you keep losing eight out of every nine. Eventually, somebody's going to catch up to you. But the Yankees, I think, And they still have plenty of games against Toronto head-to-head. So at some point, you're going to have to start playing better. But they have enough of a gap here where even with as poorly as they played, they're still up 10. They're still up 9 in the loss column. But got to start playing better at some point. Got to start playing better at some point. Got to start getting some of these guys back. And again, it goes back to the spending money where, you know, Corey Seager could be on this team. Manny Manny Machado could be on this team. You know, instead of winning championships and going for it, the Yankees have become the king of excuses where, hey, we tried on Soto. We couldn't. You know, we didn't want to give up Volpe. We didn't want to spend money on Seager. We didn't want to spend money on Machado. Verlander goes to the Astros. He doesn't go to the Yankees. It's all these things add up where, you know, when George Seiberner was running this team, they would have all these guys. Doesn't mean you're going to win. Dodgers have been the best team in baseball for like a decade or so, and they have one trophy to show for it, and it was in the bubble in a shortened season. So being the best team, spending the most doesn't guarantee, you, you know, the championship. But it gives you the best chance to win. And the Yankees have not given themselves the best chance to win. And the bottom of this roster with all these injuries uh has really shown here with, you know, the, the Higashiokas and the Andouhars. It's just, I mean, that was not a big time lineup they threw up last night. And I mean it's national TV, it's the Red Sox. You turn on the TV and it's Anduhar and, and Kyner Falefa and Higashioka. Hicks has been a disaster. Ben attendees given them nothing. So Gotta bounce back. Gotta bounce back. They got Cole going tonight. I thought Saturday night, that was a good win. of Falafo hits a home run, which I didn't even know he was capable of. They come back. They win in dramatic fashion. You thought maybe that was a turning point where you know what? That's the one they needed. They're gonna get on a, a bit of a run here. And maybe that run comes this week. Maybe it starts tonight. Uh, but it's gotta come at some point here for the Yankees. Otherwise, it's gonna be a short, short lived October. So, that's the Yankees. The picks tonight. I'll take the raise, the plus money. I will, t- uh, I will lay the price here with the Braves. So, uh, a good week of baseball. Mets, Braves, Yankees looking to bounce back. But coming up next, Chris Raybon of the Action Network will talk some NFL, some futures. That is next. This is the New York City Cast, presented by BetRiver Sportsbook. BetRiver Sportsbook is offering new customers a deposit match up to $250 when you sign up today. In addition to their welcome bonus, BetRivers has daily and ongoing promotions that can provide extra value. Download the BetRivers app or go to BetRivers.com today to sign up. Must be 21 or older. Available in New York only. Void where prohibited. Gambling problem? Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. All right, we are back. New York CityCast, River Sportsbook. Let's talk a little NFL. Somebody I've been listening to for a while, wanting to have on for a while. Somebody I've learned a lot from. NFL betting expert, fantasy football expert from the Action Network. It is Chris Raybon. Chris, what's up, man? Thanks for coming on. What's going
1: on, Will? Thanks for having me. I am excited to uh, to finally get into some football. It feels like every time the Hall of Fame game is approaching, that's when it starts to really feel real.
0: Of course. I, I think for me, it's uh, I had Mike Sando on last week. Anytime those quarterback tier <laughs> columns start to come out, the preseason football previews, you know it's right around the corner. And- yeah, it's funny. Preseason, like I'm so excited when it comes back. I watch a quarter, I watch a game, then I'm like, all right, I'm I'm uh, I'm over it. I'm ready for the real thing. At least we have the three games instead of the four. The four dragged out the three. Yeah. Uh, I mean, least look, it's something to bet on, something to watch. But after a little while, you get tired of it. Uh, let's just get right into it. Before we get to the Jets, the Giants, fantasy, all that stuff, You know, the first thing I like to ask people, when you say you're getting ready for the season, I think a lot of people are willing to put in the work but don't know how to prep, what to do, Take us through your process and sort of how you get ready for an NFL season.
1: So uh, what I like to do is I have uh, a master spreadsheet, like my model where I have every player, I have the rosters up to date. So it's it's my fantasy, my uh, betting, like everything is in one spreadsheet where I'm projecting the teams and then I'm projecting the players as well. Um, and then it's in terms of preparation – uh, during the off season, I'm doing a lot of testing, you know, regressions, things like that, just trying to fine tune the model, make sure it's as predictive as it can be. Uh, but as you know, when we're kind of approaching the preseason, I am reading as many uh, beat report articles as I can, not just looking at the tweets, but really reading the articles. There's usually an article on uh, each team's practice every day. So I like to kind of familiarize myself with the players and, you know, who's doing well, who's not, you know, what are the coaches saying, things like that. I'm also kind of uh, looking at some, you know, trying to just study some betting trends and playing around in bet labs uh, because once the season starts, I really want to cut out a lot of that, like, kind of, uh, you know, high, you know, high vantage point research and and I want to be able to kind of really dive in. So um, those, are, those are the things that I'm really doing uh, leading up to the season. When you're reading the training camp reports, I think it's interesting. I think the preseason, you know, these coaches
0: will tell you stuff, especially if you're trying to bet the preseason games, hey, we're going to play this guy this many snaps, this many quarters. They'll be a little more honest, more forthcoming. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do you sort of dig through in terms of the press conferences, the practice reports, what's real, what's not? I know, you know, two has been a, a preseason Hall of Famer here, a training camp Hall of Famer. You know, these guys, the beat Reuters, work for the team. Sometimes they try to pump up their own guys. How do you sort of sift through
1: what's real and what's not? Well, I, I call it puff piece season, uh, you know, right about now. Exactly, I think yeah. there's a way too much optimism, especially for people like us who are betting. And we know there's, you know, there's percentiles to everything. Like if there's going to be, you know, half of the the, the teams and players above that 50th percentile is going to be half below. So um, it's not as much um, kind of taking things at face value, but uh, there's just certain pieces of information that you can kind of glean. You know, for for example, I think being able to uh, understand offensive lines and how they're playing is important. Something that's harder to quantify in betting models. Also for fantasy especially, um, just kind of figure out you know, what the coaches are thinking in terms of um, offensive, uh, you know, formations, personnel, projecting snaps and all that good stuff. So um, it's really just about whatever kind of information I can glean. And also, you just kind of, if you're really following these teams day by day, you also start to to see, okay, is a player practicing every day? Has he been injured and he's not really getting as much work? Because that could impact your outlook for, you know, for the season and also how you're, approaching the team, you know, early in the season. So it's just, there's no specific piece of information as much as really whatever is valuable to you, What whatever you're doing. If you're in fantasy, you're obviously going to be paying more attention to things that could help you project snaps and things like that. Um, if you're in betting, you're going to be looking at a bigger picture thing. But like, I have my models for, you know, like quarterbacks especially, they're like more predictable than most other positions. So like, I'm not really messing with, or tinkering with two of his yards per attempt if I hear he's having a good preseason or uh, knocking Zach Wilson down because he's having a bad one. The model is going to take care of the efficiency. It's more about the things that like humans can control in, in terms of the coaching and what w- coaches and what they're going to put on the field in, ter- in terms of snaps and things like that. Uh, let's get to the local teams
0: I think both
1: these teams look it's been a long time be-
0: you know <laughs> since either had any success the Giants haven't won a playoff game since they won that Super Bowl against the Patriots over 10 years ago now it's hard to believe that's what 11 years ago it's crazy Jets haven't been to the playoffs in pretty much just the same time spirit, uh, time span uh, I guess we'll start with the Giants is there any reason for optimism do you buy the fact do you buy the idea that Dable can get this to like an eight nine win fringe playoff contender and that they've been undercoached what are your thoughts here on the Giants
1: I do think they've been undercoached. I I thought Jason Garrett was a, in particular, was a poor fit, um, just in terms of the route combinations that he had the team running, uh, you know, before he got fired last year. I do think the market is a little bit high on the Giants now. They do have the easiest schedule, um, according to some metrics, in the league, but their win total uh, is up to 7.5. And And, uh, while it is juiced to the under, uh, I think that's that's tough because while well, I do think Dable uh, will be an improvement, I still think, you know, him and Joe Shane got put in a tough spot. I think this is going to be a, a multi-year rebuild. But uh, the one thing that's promising that it, you haven't really been able to say this as far back as I can remember with the Giants in, in terms of their struggles is I think the tackle situation could be decent, you know, with, with Thomas and Neal. So um, that's always a positive, but... I still think this roster, especially uh, at certain spots on defense, is just a little short um, to really be a, a true playoff contender. I see this as more of a. I still see this as more of a five to seven win team, uh, and I think then they make their move uh, next offseason. Yeah, you said a couple things that
0: I've been talking about. You know, the schedule is really favorable. I mean, you got a bunch of games that are winnable home versus Carolina early, home versus the Bears early. Now, hell, oh, if you're the Panthers, you're probably looking at it say, hey, that's the Giants. That's a winnable game for us. So, like, you know, these are if you're as bad as the Giants, there's nothing more than a coin flip game, even if you're playing another bad team like the Lions or the Texans or the Jags. But, <laughs> uh, you know, I think. Uh, a few things they were under coach last year they had a million injuries i mean they mm-hmm. were always hurt skill guys always hurt jones got hurt once he got hurt they couldn't get a first down so there's reason for optimism in, in terms of them improving but that has certainly been built into the market here seven and a half yeah. at i mean this is a four and 13 team you think they'll be better but the market accounts for them being better
1: and, and really much better yeah and uh, you know uh, i'm glad you brought up the four and 13 because to you know to hit that over uh You would have to get to eight wins and not only were they four and 13 but you look at their point differential and you know we call it the pythagorean win total and like that was also 4.1 so they essentially have to double uh their quality of play from where they were at last year and i just don't think that's realistic can they get to seven uh maybe especially because of the schedule but i would be surprised if they start you know creeping up there to eight nine. Um I, I just think, you know, the defense may actually take a step back. You know, we're we're kind of focused on the offense and a lot of the injuries, you know, it, it won't happen this year, maybe with Tony and Gower and all those guys. You know, they stay healthy, that's great. They have better tackles, that's great. But I think that I think the defense may take a step back. Um, you know, losing Bradbury and and, and things like that. So uh I, I think this is a five, six, seven win team Um, But that's not that they're going to be they're going to be they're going to look better on the field. I think the product on the field will be better. I think they'll have more close losses. I don't think it'll be ugly and it'll be quarterback sneaking, you know, on uh, on first down and things like that.
0: Yeah, the old quarterback sneak from the parking lot. That was uh, (laughs) that was a good one. Um, And there were a lot of them that last week that last, you know, six weeks. And I think people kind of forget, you know, you remember we remember the last thing we saw, it's recency bias. Yeah, they were 4-13, and but they were 4-6. and They weren't in any way a good mm-hmm. team, but they were like a competitive team. They beat Philly. They were in some other games, you know, typical NFL where, you know, a bunch of these games can go either way. Then Jones got hurt, and this is kind of the best thing you can say for Jones is once he got hurt, they couldn't get a first – I mean, they couldn't even get the ball past midfield without him, so they got a better qu- backup quarterback situation. So you figure that would improve. Um, you know, you mentioned you try to quantify a lot of this with data, and when you look at the betting aspect of it, how do you attack it when you have a coordinator become a head coach? Is it case by case? You know, a lot of these coordinators, you, you look at them and you think, oh, wow, this guy's going to be a great coach. Some of them never pan out. Some of them do. Uh, what are your general thoughts here on Dable and just coordinators in general becoming head coaches and how we bet that accordingly?
1: I think, you know, you ha- it, it's a case by case basis. Like there's never going to be a one size fits all because, you know, when it comes to coaching and it, and its impact on the spread, the total, anything like that, just the game itself, I think there's it's kind of like a barbell, right? It's like there's a couple of coaches at the top that, that are going to have an effect, you know, think about Belichick, Andy Reid. And then there's probably like 25 coaches in the middle, or, or, or 28 even, you know, a, a ton of them that aren't going to really have any effect. And there's, then there's a couple of like really bad coaches that aren't going to be long for the league, like an Urban Meyer. Um, so, you know, can Dable be like one of those few coaches that moves the needle? Perhaps, I think he did a lot of good things in Buffalo. Um I think he I think he's a smart offensive mind and I think these days that's really what you're looking for in today's NFL. You think you know, think about Sean McVay and somebody somebody like that. So um I think there's hope, but ultimately it's still it still comes down to the roster and I think um I, I think he's gonna improve I think he's gonna do do wonders for work wonders for Daniel Jones. Uh, I think you know Joe Shane did a good job replenishing you know the O line a little bit. I don't think it'll be as bad as it has been in years past. So those are all positive things. Um, but is it like some crazy like needle moving thing? I don't know yet. That remains to be seen.
0: Uh, we'll get to the Jets here in a minute. We'll get to some fantasy sleepers, some awards. Just quickly, do you think Barkley has anything left?
1: You know. I, I think he has something left. I mean, running backs just, you know, st- statistically speaking, they do peak very early, and so it's not a surprise that Barkley. You know, coming into the league, I think he had something like 370 touches his first year, um, and it was kind of downhill. But there was a lot of bad offensive line play mixed in with that, and that just that's not good for him because he's always trying to hit the home run. And um, you know, we really saw his his efficiency suffer the last two years. But he's still only 25. Uh, you know, he's he's a year removed from the injury now. I I do think he will be solid. Will he ever get back to what he was his rookie year? Probably not, just because again, history tells us that running backs tend to peak early but can he put together another few seasons of very solid play play that was better than last year I think so I think he can get back to you know four yards a carry and uh and, and continue to to be a workhorse so uh, I think he's he's a better back than maybe some people are giving him credit for after you know uh, one one lost season and then another one that was very underwhelming I mean I was completely off the of Saquon last year I told people to fade him uh, in fantasy, I, I just thought it, you know—he was coming back too soon. I thought the offensive line was in shambles um, this year. I, I'm, you know, cautiously optimistic um, that Saquon can can get back to it. All right, I'm too
0: depressed talking about the Giants. Let's move on, <laughs> on to something that's a little more uplifting. Let's I talk am a about Giants other... fan,
1: by the way, just just so you know. Oh I'm, boy, yeah, full disclosure. So I, I, it's it's been it's been painful, man. It's been painful. <laughs> yeah, let's
0: let's turn to something that's a little more uplifting. The Jets, I mean, this is my life here talking on the New York City cast, Bet Rivers, uh, talking Jets and Giants. You can imagine what it was like every year, la- every uh, week last year where it was, boy, uh, you know, thrown for 20 yards from some of those Giants games, from the Jets games. It was just brutal to watch. Any reason for optimism with the Jets? I think there's some skill players. There's some pass rushers. It was a decent draft, but I think it'll probably all come down to
1: the quarterback. What's sort of your take here on the Jets? It really will come down to the quarterback because I did like uh, some of the things they did with their roster. I thought... You know, they they kind of increase the floor and ceiling of their offense by. Uh, you know, going in on skill positions. You know, first, you know, getting Elijah Moore last year. Now they have Garrett Wilson as well. Um, They also went out and got Corey Davis last year. So now they have Conklin, They have Uzoma. So every position, you look at the running back position, you have Brees Hall and Michael Carter now. I I think, you know, they can withstand injuries at any skill position. I think the offensive line has a decent amount of talent. Like It could be a good offensive line if everything clicks. Um, so it really would will, will come down to Zach Wilson offensively, and then you know Robert Sala is a defensive-minded coach. You know they they did draft uh, you know a, a good defensive player in the in the first round, and so I I think that I, I think there's reason for optimism there. Um, the Jets do have some pieces, but it really like. Zach Wilson is, can move the needle. Like, there's a wide range of outcomes because Zach Wilson's underlying metrics were not pretty last year, but he didn't really get any help. A lot of his, you know, he had a, a very high rate of drop passes and things like that. He also, I, I thought, was a little bit better down the stretch. Uh, the which Tampa is,
0: game, he was decent. Yeah, he, he had showed some... I mean, he wasn't great, but low no, bar, he great. was a little better. Yeah,
1: yeah and I thought he, he uh, figured out how to use his legs a little more uh, as the season progressed. So I, I think there were positive signs. I... I, I was high on Wilson coming out. Um, you know, most of the rookie quarterbacks didn't really fare too well last year except for Mac Jones. So uh, we'll see how it goes in year two. But um, the, the, I guess the, the one thing you could say that's kind of discouraging is that statistically speaking, uh, the quarterbacks that tend to be great, um, and there's some exceptions to this, but generally, like, um, the quarterbacks that tend to be great are – they tend to show those signs their rookie years. Um, there's very... With this few exceptions, I mean, Josh Allen, I think, is, is an exception. But for the most part, um, you would like to have seen better numbers uh, than Wilson put up last year, especially because, you know, the Jets had, like, this revolving door of backups in there who were all putting up... Seemed to be putting up big numbers when Wilson exactly. was out. So, it, it, you know, that is discouraging, but um, the, the kid has a lot of talent, and they did exactly what they needed to do to at least... Make it a, a very good evaluation this year. Like if if he doesn't pan out, they're gonna know because they put they put together a solid offensive line. They put together a, a deep skill group with uh with a lot of you know a lot of explosiveness and, and upside. So uh, I do think that we're gonna find out one way or the other. But um you know they're at five and a half wins on a market, you know, that could be selling them a little short. Um but they do have the six toughest schedules. So. Um, you know, can Zach Wilson, you know, start winning some of these division games? Because that's how you, that's how these teams tend to get over those win totals, right? It's when, you know, you got to play the teams in your division tough. So it's like, can, Jack, can Zach Wilson go on the road and, and beat Miami, beat New England, things like that. Uh, that remains to be seen. But uh, I do think the Jets, uh, uh, you know, compared to the Giants, I think the Jets are in a little better spot roster-wise uh, right now. Yeah, and it's uh, it's always tough when you're the worst
0: team in a good division because you don't get to play yourself. You know, Miami can look and say, <laughs> hey, we got two games against the Jets, two kind of layups. Yeah. The Jets don't get to play the Jets. They got six division games like everybody else, except their six division games are, you know, Dolphins, Bills, Patriots, and then they play the other AFC teams. Yeah, it's a good point. It's a good schedule. Uh, I would have my concerns about Wilson. Um, when you look at the Jets, the Giants, anything. So would you go over or under with, with the wins for the Jets?
1: I don't, I don't like the minus 175 juice on over five and a half. But you know, if you can, if you can maybe get a a, a six at at, at a at better juice, I, I would think about it. At worst, you get the push. But it, it's tough to see value here. Both yeah. the Giants and the Jets. It's like they have, they're in this weird spot where instead of it just being kind of like a equal even juice either way, it's like one side is is juiced up and one side has plus money. Um, And the side you probably want is the side that's uh, that's juiced up. So, you know, the Jets over five and a half juiced up to minus 175 and the Giants under seven and a half is juiced up. So uh, I don't see a ton of value because remember, you know, there's going to be so many betting opportunities, even in this preseason that, you know, tying your money up for five, six months uh, with, you know, minus 175 juice, it's not something I personally would recommend. Before we get to the league in general and, and awards and stuff like that, any t- anybody
0: on the Jets or the Giants in terms of a breakout guy, fantasy guy, somebody you think is underrated, overrated, uh, what would you look for in terms of the you know fantasy guys? And of course, you can turn that into some sort of a betting angle, whether it's you know Rookie of the Year if it's a rookie. But what do you look for in terms of the fantasy production, Jets and Giants guys?
1: So I'll start with the Giants. I think um, Daniel Jones is interesting because. He's going, like, in fantasy, you can get him, like, outside the top 20 quarterbacks. I've seen him go as well as, like, quarterback 26, 27. Uh, and he was actually 18th in points per game last year uh, among quarterbacks who played at least half the season. And that was with just... You know, everything going wrong and, and the coaching staff and everybody hurt. So, Daniel Jones, we've seen him w- with upside in the past. I remember his rookie year. You know, he had, I think it was three games with four or more touchdown passes, uh, through for, you know, well over 300 yards a bunch of times. So, I, I do think he's intriguing, especially in, in like best ball weeks, two quarterback weeks. Um, you always want that rushing ability. So, I, I think he's the most intriguing uh, on the Giants. You know, Wandale Robinson is a guy that I'm kind of watching as well because. I, you know, he's the only wide receiver that was, you know, kind of hand-picked by this new regime. You know, Teddy Gallaudet is a holdover. Kadarius Toney, you know, this promising guy entering year two. Guys usually make their leap in year two, but also another guy who drafted by the previous regime. And so I think Wandale, I think they, you know, you don't draft a guy in the second round when you're completely tearing down a roster. You don't draft a guy in the second round not to play him. Um, so I, I'm, I'm curious to see how they kind of you know, work him in, but I, I think he's a guy to watch. And for the Jets, uh, Elijah Moore, I mean, Elijah Moore's a talented guy, but uh, I'm curious to see Garrett Wilson because the Jets, I thought, could have stayed, they could have stood pat at a wide receiver. Like, a lot of people were saying, hey, they need a wide receiver. Like, I thought Corey Davis and um, Elijah Moore with, with Berrios in the slot would have been, like, it, was, it wasn't something that was like, oh, my God, this is the worst wide receiving corner of the league or anything like that. So the fact that they got Garrett Wilson um, you know, lets us know that you know they really want somebody to take it to the next level. So I think he's a guy to watch that you can get outside the the, the top fifty. Um, Brees Hall is another one, but the value isn't really there anymore. He's up to RB twenty four, in average draft position, which I think is a fair spot for him. You, you do want to invest in rookies again. Running backs tend to peak right away. Um, there's not really a learning curve at the position, and I, I think Brees Hall was my favorite back. Um, coming out uh, of school, so in this class. So I, I do like Brees Hall, but in terms of fantasy value, it's uh, most of these guys are going where they should. I think the one that really stands out uh, is Daniel Jones and to a lesser extent Robinson and Wilson. How about fantasy sleepers in general it's always tough because once a guy he's underrated he's
0: underrated everyone calls him a sleeper well all of a sudden you know he's going in the second round and he's not a sleeper anymore so it's always difficult you know we're all consuming the same content but uh who are a few guys that you know jump out to you in terms of
1: guys that you think are undervalued coming into the season well let's start with Jalen Tolbert since you know he's one of the the few guys that hasn't um you know he hasn't had time to like jump up yet but you know it was just a few days ago. Cowboys that, receiver, right, for anyone yes, that uh, doesn't know Cowboys Yeah, receiver. oh, yes, yes. I'm, I'm so locked into this that I'm just assuming everyone. Yeah, Jalen Tolbert, uh, rookie wideout um, for the Cowboys, took, got taken in the fourth round. Um, yeah, listen, I think this guy can – I think he's going to open the year as the number two receiver, and I think he has a chance to hold on to that role because, again, you have no Michael Gallup to start the season. He He said he's definitely not playing in week one. Um, and the way he sounded so sure about it, I can't imagine, you know, he'll be back in week two, maybe even week three either. Um, so I'm I'm projecting Gallup to miss, you know, four to six games. And then James Washington just uh, suffered a, a serious foot injury, and so he'll be out a couple of months as well. So not only will Tobert likely open the year as the number two receiver, but he is going to get all of those practice reps leading up to the season as that number two receiver. So this is a really good spot for him. You can get him at wide receiver. Uh, number 73 right now. I think that is going to start flying through the roof. I would take him up until um, you know the the, the high 50s. I, I think I think he's way underpriced uh, and the market is going to start adjusting to Tolbert. And then um, you know not like a, a super sleeper, but another player I think is undervalued, Darnell Mooney uh, on the Bears. Listen, they they really don't have anything else at, at that receiver position. Um, you know Cole Komet maybe at tight end does something, but Uh, I I think Darnell Mooney at wide receiver 32 is a bargain. You're always trying to get those guys that are potential target hogs. And, you know, I I kind of, when I first thought about Mooney, I said, all right, this might not be great because Allen Robinson, even though he wasn't good last year, um, he struggled, but he was taking attention off of Mooney. But I looked up the five games that Mooney played without Allen Robinson and Mooney averaged 9.6 targets, 5.2 catches, Uh, 78 yards, so uh, that would have been a top 24 wide receiver extrapolated over the full season, so uh, he didn't really have any issue even with Robinson out out of the lineup, so uh, I like Mooney. I think uh, Trey Lance, you always want these quarterbacks with rushing ability, and um, Trey Lance is still outside the top 12 in, in ADP, uh, I think he should be inside it, um, you know, 60 yards per game rushing in his two starts. And he averaged eight and a half yards an attempt in a in a small sample. But we know he has Shanahan. We know he has uh, the weapons, Debo and Kittle and Ayuk, and uh, pretty good offensive line. And that rushing ability really gives him a, a massive ceiling, even if he's not, uh, if he, even if he doesn't live up to expectations as a passer necessarily, I think there's still a lot of ways that he could uh, outplay that ADP.
0: And I was looking for the uh, odds there for Tolbert, rookie of the year, not as high as you'd think. You think fourth round receiver, receiver doesn't usually win it. He's only you know, twenty to one here at Bet Rivers. Is that somebody you took a flyer on for rookie of the year? Or you don't necessarily think there's value there.
1: I I, I will I will take a flyer on him at that price because if you look at the rookie of the year odds, um, I haven't looked at him today, but the last time I looked, maybe a day, a couple of days ago, um, Kenny Pickett was the favorite, and I don't really understand that because Kenny Pickett is. Uh, practicing with the third team for Pittsburgh. And, you know, it's they've, they've been saying, hey, it's Mitch Trubisky's job to lose. But also, Mason Rudolph is in the running. So, I mean, there is a, a chance that uh, Kenny Pickett could open the year as the number three quarterback and not really get as much playing time um, as you would expect for a first-round quarterback. And, you know, uh, in general, the, the league was just kind of down on this quarterback class. The Steelers right. did need a quarterback, and so they, they took Pickett in the – First round, but if let's say the Steelers don't take him, I mean, it's possible he slips just like all those other guys, you know, down to the to the third round. So, I you know I, I think that there's value on pretty much everyone else besides because of he could still in that in that weed, but Tolbert stands out. I think another guy, Jahan Dotson, if you're looking at Rookie of the Year, um, you know, just statistically speaking, you know, every the, the higher uh, you're drafted, the more likely you are to have a successful rookie year. That's just statistically speaking, you know, obviously you can like the player more or less and he could be in a, a, a good situation or not. But I think Dotson's going to get get a shot to play. Now, I don't really believe in Carson Wentz. That's kind of the issue. Uh, but, um, you know, I, I think Dotson is, is way undervalued his odds compared to where he was drafted and the opportunity that he's going to get in Washington in year one. Yeah, just pulling up the odds
0: here at Bet Rivers. Pickett five to one. Hall seven to one. London eight to one. Watson nine to one. Burks ten to one. Yeah. Uh, Walker ten to one. Olave a bunch of bunch of these guys in the ten to one range. Sky Moore, who I thought was a sleeper at eleven to one, is not great. Uh, then you have Tolbert, James Cook, um, a guy a lot of people liked. Who's the running back? He, um, the name is escaping me. I think it's Rashad White, the Bucks running back. Yeah. Fournette yeah. came in overweight. You figure he's a pass catching running back? You buy him at all or no?
1: I am not and the reason I'm not is because number one, I think the net thing is a, a little overblown. Um I, I think listen, the Bucks are already having a lot of issues with the offensive line. Like they literally overblown. Literally overblown <laughs> Hey, we say that now and then. Like, there was a time when people thought Leonard Fournette was done. Like, oh, he he's gonna yeah. he's gonna he's gonna play behind Ronald Jones. He ended that he ended that pretty quick. So, I wouldn't count Leonard Fournette out. I think I think Brady likes him. I think he's got to trust of Brady. So I think he'll play. Uh, but the, the reason I'm concerned about White is because uh, you know the pass protection. You know, young back pass protection issues, especially for a team like the Bucks, who's dealing with some, some things on their interior offensive line, which is, you know, where, you know, Brady struggles the most when he gets pressured. So I, I just don't know how much playing time, realistically, they're going to feel comfortable um, giving him. Uh, you know, now, of course, he could always, you know, make some big plays and, and force his way into the lineup. But if I'm just looking at, like, the median outcome, uh, I think he's probably uh, a year away or he's more of a guy that's going to, kind of pop-up wait in the year. You know, like a Keyshawn Vaughn got a couple of starts, um, you know, late in the year. But I, I just don't think that he's going to be a factor that early. Um, but I, I will say, like, I think that second tier, like you mentioned a bunch of guys early on that list, like not even just Kenny Pickett, but like Traylon Burks, you know, struggling in camp. Um, Christian Watson on the shelf right now. You know, we don't know exactly what, what's, what's going to happen with him and his injury and how he's going to come back from that. So there are a lot of players that are... I think overvalued at the at the top of that list. That that gives you a lot of value on some of the, the guys in that next tier, um, you know, like a Tolbert, like a Jahan Dotson, guys like that. Because um, you know, I, I just think that list is all screwy right now. I, I don't, I, I can't believe that like it, it, it actually like oh, the guys that are high are as high as they are, and the market really hasn't reacted. But I guess that's it's just kind of. Um, indicative of this rookie class it it, it was a little bit underwhelming i think and, and that's why uh, we haven't seen too much market movement yeah and there's so many receivers like the chiefs with a rookie receiver
0: the packers with a rookie receiver. so many rookie receivers is a situation where you might be better off just see a couple games first get some information see who you trust and then bet it is there anything you, you know you're going to bet uh you know before the season starts
1: i mean i i think you know obviously at this point um, you know, we, we we would like to see some of these guys on the field in preseason and, and see who looks good. But at the same time, if anyone, like, let's say Sky Moore scores a couple touchdowns in, in the first week of the preseason. Price is going to go up. Right, the price is going to go up. So I price would say, of the bricks going up. Yeah, yeah. So I would say, again, like, I think, go scroll down from those top few guys and take your pick, whoever you like in that in that second tier of guys. I think that's where you kind of attack it because it is wide open. Uh, it is a wide open race, and so you just take a you could take a couple of guys in at ten you know ten to uh, ten to twenty to one, thirty to one range. Um, I, I don't think you're in a bad spot at all because I think it's a lot more wide open than than most years. There's no obvious quarterback with Pickett you know, in third string right now. Um, you know, Brees Hall is is one of the favorites, but you know, is he going to be kind of broken and slowly like Michael Carter? Is they are they going to split the work? You know, we don't know. Kenneth Walker, you know, Rashad Penny's doing really well. So, like, there's just a lot of question marks and no bona fide guy. Um, so that's why I really like a guy like Tolbert because, I mean, Dallas threw for nearly 5,000 yards and 40 touchdowns last year. And, and this guy's going to get an opportunity. Um, so, you know, that that's kind of what I'm looking for. I would prefer to do it before the preseason really gets underway, though, because I think the prices for some of those guys are going to start to adjust Sharply, like more correctly, because they're they're pretty off right now.
0: Uh, a couple quick ones before
1: we get you out of here.
0: Any other awards you're interested in MVP, Coach of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year, anything else you're interested in, anything else you've
1: bet? Yeah, so I like Kevin O'Connell uh, for Coach of the Year at 20 to, to 1. Uh, three of the last five years, we've seen a first year uh, a head coach with. In his first year with the team win um those teams have averaged about 12 wins a year so you are going to need a team capable of that and i think minnesota is you know being in a division with chicago uh and with detroit um i i think they're capable of that and uh, you know i think the offense is going to be excellent and i think the defense is a little bit underrated um, you know, they have good players at every level. You know, they have two, two good safeties in Smith and Bynum. Uh, Dantzler has turned into one of the better cornerbacks in the league. They still have a, a pretty good defensive line and, and linebackers as well. So uh, I think Minnesota could surprise a lot of people. Um, I like them, you know, to win the, the, the North as well at plus 300. I think that's a, a pretty good bet. But Kevin O'Connell for Coach of the Year at 20-1, to 1, I mean, he's he's got longer odds than... Coaches like Dable and, and Doug Peterson, and we know the Giants and the Jaguars aren't winning, you know, the the amount of games that you would need to win this award. And so uh, Kevin O'Connell uh, stands out to me, and I wouldn't mind, especially now given like you know we're hearing some some negative things. I think it's a a, a decent time to buy the dip on on a guy like Jalen Hurts um, for MVP. You know, twenty to one, even even longer at some spots. Um, you know, it kind of reminds me a little bit of Lamar Jackson. You know. His career TD rate coming into that that uh, MVP year was like 3.5%. Then he threw 36. You know guys can guys can have these outliers, and you know Hertz is gonna have, uh, in my opinion, probably the best offensive line in the league. They add AJ Brown. Um, he also, uh, you know, that year Jackson won the MVP. He led all quarterbacks in rushing attempts. Hertz did that last year. So, um, and and the Eagles win total, you know, it's up to nine and a half. I think a lot of people rightfully so. Um, are, are bullish on the Eagles, and and I think they have a very solid roster. I think I, I like their head coach as well. Um, they they're nearly at forty percent uh, to win the division, so uh, I I think you have all the ingredients uh, for Jalen Hurts to to kind of put up a, a kind of outlier season, um, help the Eagles get to double digit wins, and, and have a shot at that MVP. And you know people are saying oh he's struggling right now, and so I think it's a good time to kind of buy the dips because we we already saw Jalen Hurts last year. Like he he was solid. Like he. He 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 did enough to put you in that, um, to to give you confidence that you know with a with a guy like A.J. Brown with the great offensive line, uh, that he could do some damage and put up some good numbers. So, uh, like like Jalen Hurts as well. Interesting, yeah. I just
0: I go back and forth with Hurts. I think he's better than I thought he would be, but I thought a lot of his production came. I just think of that Tampa playoff game where they're down 31-0, then he scores you know a bunch of production, a bunch of yards. In the fourth quarter, you look at the final score, the final box score, and, you, oh, he played okay, and you watch the game, and he didn't really play that good. So uh, I would worry about that, and you're right. Philly's gotten a lot of hype here. Everyone loves Philly. That's always dangerous. The, I, I feel like the Philly and the Lions are the two teams everyone's sort of in on this year, and I, I know I've
1: know i heard a lot of people <laughs> on the Vikings too. You always got to worry about that hype team. I'll give, you, I'll give you one that I like that I, I haven't heard as many people talking about, although I, I think some Sharps are on this team as well, but the Pittsburgh Steelers I, I, I'm intrigued by because – uh, their win total seven and a half. Uh, I I think it's very possible that they uh, finish with nine wins this year. I, I I first of all we we know Mike Tomlin has never had a losing season, but you look at this team and they still have that defense. Like they still have a defense. They still have uh, good players at the skill positions. I think their offensive line is it, it's not great, but I think it will be a little better than last year. And you know if it's Mitch Trubisky, which it, it looks like it is at least to start the season. A lot of people don't realize this, but Mitch Trubisky hasn't had a losing season as a starter uh, since his rookie year. So he had that that terrible year with John Fox, and then all the years after that with Matt Nagy, he actually posted a winning record as a starter. And Why? Because the Bears had a pretty good defense. The Steelers can be the same thing, and I think they probably have a better supporting cast, better coaching staff, obviously. Um, Than that Bears team, but you can kind of, you can kind of, I could see a, a world where the Steelers, you know, just win a lot of ugly games, you know, 16 to 13, 13 to 10 um, in, in that division. I think people are really counting them out, um, but I, I think they could beat any team in that division um, and, and I think, and rack up some, and, and get some upsets there. And I think they'll be a, they'll be a really tough out um, pretty much to everybody. And you, any anytime Mike Tomlin's an underdog, I mean, if you bet, if you bet the NFL, you know, when Mike Tomlin's an underdog, like, this team balls out. And they're going to be an underdog quite a bit this year. And that's that's just where they thrive. So um, I think there's a lot to like about this Pittsburgh Steelers team uh, this year. And another good thing about the Steelers, they're not really, um, you know, that fragile. Like, you know, if Trubisky doesn't work out, you still got Pickett. You even got Mason Rudolph, who's serviceable and who they've, you know, been a 500-ish team with as well. So I think there's a lot of value on that 7.5 number uh, for Pittsburgh. And if you, if you are as bullish as me on them, you could also sprinkle in, you know, 10 to 1 to win the division, plus 3, 30 to make the playoffs. Um, I think there's a lot of ways you can attack this Steeler team who, who I think is going to be better uh, than people think. Any team you think is overrated? I, I won't say overrated, but I'm really... Well, I'm down on the Bears. I mean, I, I think the Oof. Bears, like six and a half on the win total. I, I'm surprised it hasn't gone to like five and a half yet. You know, I just think you look at this team, um, you know, even if you like Justin Fields, and I'm intrigued by Justin Fields, but the bottom line is he had the worst QBR in the in the league last year. And you really haven't put much um, around him to help him succeed. I mean, I still think they're going to have one of the worst offensive lines in the league. Um, even with Mooney, who I like there, I still think that's a bottom five uh, receiving core. Um, then you go flip to the defense, you lose Kawil Mack, uh, you know, Roquan Smith didn't, didn't have a good year last year and then you're relying on two rookies in the secondary to start. I mean, there's really no, no real strength, um, you know, on the Chicago Bear team and a lot of their easiest games, uh, are on the road, which is not ideal. I mean, you're going to the, to the Meadowlands for the Giants and the Jets. You're going to, uh, Atlanta, one of the Detroit games obviously is on the road as well. So, uh, it, it just doesn't look like it's going to be easy at all for Chicago. So I'm surprised they're still hanging around. I know it's getting juiced up, but I'm surprised they're still hanging around at that six and a half. Yeah. They, uh, boy, they went in all,
0: all in on some of these trades, whether it was Mack, whether it was fields, they just, the, the, the former GM, I think it was pace, man. He just took a blowtorch to the roster because there's no secondary, no offensive line. Uh, you mentioned fields. I mean, fields better be good. He better be Patrick Mahomes because they are in for uh, a world of pain. There's just not a lot on that team. It's a bad team, bad roster.
1: Yeah. So yeah, that that's that's the team that sticks out to me, um, as one that's you know that that I'm really 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 down on. Yeah, I uh, I think they're good under. I think the Titans too. I don't see
0: them getting to 10 wins with their lack of receivers. They have a tough schedule. They play at Green Bay, at Buffalo, at Kansas City. They play the entire AFC West, I believe. Um, and again, Henry's getting older. You look at Tannehill, he needs Jones. He needs AJ Brown when he doesn't have his guys. I mean, to ask, and what happens if he misses two or three games? I don't know that Malik Wills is ready to ask that team with that schedule. They play Cincy, they play the Cowboys. Yeah. To, to ask that team to get to 10
1: wins, I think asking a lot too. Yeah. The Titans, I mean, it's always scary though, right? Like betting against the Titans. I feel like they always find a way. <laughs> they always seem to find a way to surprise you. Uh, but I do agree. I mean, I think they're in for some, you know, regression, especially after that, uh, what was the number one seed in the afc last year. I mean this just has this just has regression written all over it. And you know, I, I like Robert Woods. I think he'll be he'll be decent if he's recovered from his injury, but I'm not liking what I'm hearing from Traylon Burks. Um and, and I agree. I think AJ Brown was a major, major difference maker. Obviously Henry will be as well. Uh, but you know now that now that we've seen him get hurt, you know, there's there's no guarantees anymore. Uh, and this Titans team, you know, they they were more like a 10 win team. Uh, and they won 12 games last year. And, um, you know, statistically speaking, teams that outperform their, uh, their point differential by, you know, two wins or more, they, they usually come back down to earth uh, in a big way the, the following year.
0: Yeah, they had all that luck and should have saved some of that luck for that division game because that Mm. was a brutal loss. What was just a crazy weekend, all those division games. Some of those Saturday games, I think, get lost because that Chiefs-Bills game was so good. But you know how the Packers ever lost to Green Bay, I'm sorry, how they ever lost to San Francisco was just like a miracle. Uh, You really go through that whole weekend, Tampa versus the Rams. That was an unbelievable game. And the Titans just uh, giving that game away to Cincy. Boy, that was a great weekend of football.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, this playoffs, I, I can't like in recent memory um this was by far i think my favorite playoffs i mean almost every game was close a lot of wild stuff went down um you had you had two teams well especially the Bengals that you didn't expect in the super bowl the super bowl was great like i it's this was a great uh, playoffs. I, I hope this ne- <laughs> 2022 can top it but uh it's gonna be hard to do chris uh it was a pleasure appreciate you coming on hopefully we'll catch up here uh down the road once the season gets going let everyone know where they can find you uh, you can find me on Twitter at Chris Raybon. I also host the action network, uh, NFL podcast. We come out with a couple episodes, uh, a week. And then during the season, we, we do our six pack every week, fantasy flex podcast as well. Uh, and download the free award-winning action network app. You can follow me at Chris Raybon there. Uh, see all my bets track your own as well. Chris, appreciate it, man. Good luck this season. We'll catch up down the road. You too, Will. Thanks for having me. All right. One
0: last thing before we get you out of here. And thank you guys for listening. Uh, Zach Wilson, Friday night, looked like he might have missed the season, tore his ACL, you know, non-contact. Some uh, doctors on Twitter were saying, you know what, that's it, tore his ACL. Some guys that have pretty good track records were saying that, and anytime it's non-contact, you you assume the worst, but the Jets avoid disaster, two to four weeks. uh, Looks like it's a bone bruise, so maybe he plays week one, maybe he doesn't. You know, the worst thing about it, if he missed the season, and again, they avoid disaster, is you wouldn't get that year to evaluate him. In terms of on the field, look, they, they moved the ball better when he didn't play last year, but... You want to when you know when you draft a guy number two overall. You want to get that extra year evaluated. You only saw him for one year. It obviously, didn't go well. Uh, you could blame the offensive line, the weapons. The only thing about that is, and again, good thing he's okay. You want him to play. The only thing about that is, like the other guys last year, Flacco, Johnson, Mike White, they all moved the ball pretty well. And Wilson, other than the Tampa game, a game here or there, Tennessee, Wilson did not do a lot. So. Uh, looks like Wilson will be back. I think if he did miss the season, they would have had to trade for Garoppolo if, if they could have afforded that in terms of the cap. But doesn't look like it'll be an issue. Maybe Flacco plays week one, and then Wilson takes over from there. So kind of a coin flip right now, whether Wilson will play, whether it's not. You know, it says a lot about Wilson that it doesn't really move the line whether he plays or not. He's probably a little bit of an upgrade over Flacco just because the upside of Wilson being the number two pick in the draft, second year, maybe this is the year he takes the leap. So you'd want Wilson in there uh, for all those reasons. But they avoid disaster. Wilson will you know, be back sooner than later here with the Bone Brews. Just wanted to mention that as the Jets uh, do avoid disaster. But that'll do it for the show. Thank you guys for listening. Picks tonight, Rays plus money, Braves minus money. We'll be back tomorrow. Thank you f- to Chris Rabon. Uh, Don't forget to download, rate, review, and subscribe. We'll see you tomorrow. This is the New York City Cast presented by River Sportsbook.